You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Good morning. Good to see everyone. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's go to Luke chapter 2 this morning. Merry Christmas to everyone. Um, hey, if you are uh, a first-time visitor, welcome. I think half of our, our regular crew is, is traveling today, and, but we have several, obviously, that have filled the gaps who are uh, with us maybe for the first time. And if it is your first time with us, let me just welcome you. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors of Fellowship Paragold, and we are delighted to have you with us this morning. We know you could be anywhere, and the fact that you've chosen to be here with us the Sunday before Christmas means a lot to us. Our hope is that if you want to learn more about us, you want to get connected, we make that as easy as possible for you. And so whenever you walk out this door, when you leave in just a few moments, and you walk down this ramp, you'll see a little table uh, out there. There's several little brochures, connect cards, things like that, where you can get more information about our church. And uh, you can learn more about us at fellowshipparagold.com. You can go to our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash fellowshipparagold. Check us out on Twitter. Fellowship PG. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can connect. Come to me at the door, uh, just introduce yourself, and, and we want to help you get connected just as soon as you're ready or serve your family the best that we can. And so, again, good to have everyone with us. Glad you can be here. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be, and uh, let me just warn you in advance, I, um, I totally lost my voice in the middle of the week, and I went to the doctor, and uh, they told me I had laryngitis, which I was like, ain't nobody got time for that, right, around Christmas time, and I got to preach this Sunday, so they gave me a shot and uh, feel a whole lot better, uh, but if my voice does go out every now and then, I'm over here sipping on some warm uh, tea with honey and lemon juice. I've heard that's good, and so uh, y'all be praying for me. Bear with me. Hopefully my voice will, will hold up, but uh, I think my wife has enjoyed me having laryngitis this week because I've been a much better listener uh, than normal because I haven't been able to talk, so, um, but anyways, good to see everyone. I promise I will not touch the communion bread uh, before you, and so uh, don't worry about getting my germs, okay? Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 8, and we'll read down to verse 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, both praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away and went to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and had been told to them. Let's pray together one more time. Father, I thank you so much for this word that is given to us today. We know that it's active and living, so it's just as powerful as if you were standing here speaking it in the flesh. I thank you that you chose to become flesh, that you came for us. I pray that in the busyness of life and all the things that we have on our to-do list this week, that we will not miss the true meaning of Christmas. And I pray that it will become even more alive in our hearts, and it will transform us for our good and your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Anyone in here have any vivid Christmas memories from growing up? Um, have a lot of memories growing up of Christmas, but one of the probably uh, most vivid Christmas memories I have is from 1989. And just to set the context for you, I was in first grade. It was Christmas Eve night. I was supposed to be sleeping, but Grandma and Grandpa George had just bought me a beginner's spy kit that included a micro-listener that you could put up against a wall and listen to conversations in the room next to you. Now, why my grandparents got this for a six-year-old, I have no idea, but it was awesome, all right? And so I'm in first grade, my brother's in fourth grade, and we're sleeping in the same room, and um, we can hear a commotion going on in the living room. And so I pulled out this micro-listener, I put it up against the wall, and I can hear my parents talking. Now, my dad has been a pastor my whole life, and pastors aren't really good at a whole lot, except what? Talking and talking loudly. So I can hear my dad pretty clearly, and uh, he, he's talking about how he's having a hard time wrapping presents, okay? And he's, he's, mom's trying to coach him through how to wrap a present, and they're talking back and forth and doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, my dad asks a question to my mom that absolutely changed my life. As they're wrapping presents, he looks at her and he says, Hey, Ann, quick question. Is this one from us, or is it from Santa? Now, as a first grader, I hear this, and I don't know if this micro-listener really works, or it's because we lived in an 1,100-square-foot house with really like, poorly insulated walls, but I hear this, and I look at my brother, and I'm like, what's happening? You know, because I'm like, first grade, I'm like, what's happening? You know, like, talking like a little kid, and he's looking at me, and my brother begins to spill the beans, because he already heard about what all this means, and so he tells me about what's happening, and I just begin to cry, right, as a first grader. I mean, I'm devastated, and so my parents hear me crying from the other room, they come into the room to try to console me, and I'm just like, I don't even know what to believe anymore, right? Like, I mean, I feel like my whole life has been a lie. Like, I'm looking at my parents, and I'm like, are you even my real parents? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, Dad, you're supposed to be a man of the cloth, and you clearly sit on a throne of lies. You know, it's like, I don't understand. And my dad, you know, I'll just never forget, he looks at me, and says, son, son, calm down. He says, son, listen, Christmas is about so much more than Santa Claus and just getting presents around a tree. Son, it's actually about receiving the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. And I remember looking at him and being like, well, is Jesus going to get me a huffy bicycle? Because if not, that's not good news, you know? And so I just remember he kind of patted me on the head and just uh, told me to, to quit crying. I think I ended up crying myself to sleep that night. And, uh, but, but, you know, I look back at this memory and I think, you know, that, that seems so common for a six-year-old to behave this way, right? To miss out on the true meaning and beautiful message of Christmas. But, but what's sad this morning is I think it, it's unfortunate that though there are many adults who would never say this out loud, or there are not a lot of adults, maybe even some in this room, who feel somewhat the same way when it comes to Christmas. I, I mean, sure, we, we enjoy maybe seeing a few Christmas curls one Sunday out of the year, Maybe you even come in here today and you claim to be a Christian who has believed the Christmas story. But if you can be honest right now, Jesus doesn't really get you that excited. It doesn't really seem like good news. In fact, if you look at your life, at what consumes your finances, at what consumes your, your thoughts and your time, it's clear that there are many things in this world that you believe are actually way better than Jesus. Many things that you are worshiping and placing above him, things that are transient, and only fading away. And if that is you this morning, then my hope is more than anything that today you will be reminded of the amazing, beautiful, true Christmas story, and you will see why it really is good news to all of our life, good news that every one of us need today. All right? That's, that's my hope. And in verse 10, if you look back with me, 
and following, we see that God sends in this Christmas story an angel to some lowly shepherds to announce the birth of Christ. And I want you to look with me again. It's actually picked up in, in, in verse 9. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, talking about the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good news of great joy. That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, I think it's safe to say there are many people living in the religious south who when they think of Jesus, the first thing that comes to their mind is not good news of great joy. Okay? I think there are a lot of people growing up in the religious south in the Bible Belt who believe Jesus is the Son of God. They do believe He was born of a virgin. They have heard that he went and died on the cross for our sins. And they think of Jesus. They think of purity. They think of, of maybe purpose. They think of serving the poor. But I would submit to you there are very few people when they think of Jesus, the very first thing that comes to their mind is good news of great joy. And, and you see, I can understand why this is. Um, growing up in the church, growing up in the religious south, for me growing up, I had convinced myself that the main point of Christianity was to wake up each morning and do what? Try to avoid doing bad things, like gambling and drinking and cussing and watching rated R movies, right? While also trying to do good things, like praying and reading my Bible, attending church services, boycotting Disney, right? And trying to put Christ back in Christmas. And, and my, my, my mindset was, as long as I don't do the bad things and I can do the good things, then at the end of my life, God will be pleased to me and I won't go to hell. That's what I thought Christianity was all about. And maybe that's where even some of you find yourself this morning. And what you need to hear is this. If you've been in our church very long, you've heard me say this, but it's worth saying again. Listen to me. Guys, Christianity, please hear this. Christianity is not primarily about rules to be followed. It's about a joy to be found. And it's found primarily in Christ. That's what this whole Bible is about. And the fact that most people in the city do not believe that is the reason that we planted Fellowship Paragold. Um, in Acts chapter 8, it, it's a passage that is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, and it's a passage that we've used to, to, to be kind of a, a really just, a, it's a verse we've championed, it's a verse that's really motivated us here as a church and why we've planted. But in Acts chapter 8, what's going on is the church is being persecuted, they're being scattered about. And it says, I think it's in verse 5, we have it on the screen, Philip who was a part of the early church, went down to Samaria and he proclaimed to them the Christ. Now I want you to think about this. He goes to Samaria, he goes into a new city where Christ had not been preached and he begins to preach the good news of the gospel. He begins to tell the Christmas story. And I want you to see the result of what happened to people in Samaria when they believed the gospel. Verse 8, it says he went down and he preached the gospel and therefore there was much joy in that city. Did you hear that? So how do you know when Jesus has come to town? There's joy in people's lives. That's why you have probably heard us say that as a church we exist to make the real Jesus known to every man, woman, and child in the city because unlike the religious Jesus many of us have grew up worshiping or hearing about or, or the Jesus of our heads who is weak and unable to help us at all, the real resurrected King Jesus, the Jesus that we learned that was born as a baby and grew as a man who lived the perfect life we could never live and die to death, we all deserve to die from our sins and rose from the dead. This Jesus, he is the joy that outlasts and outshines any other counterfeit joy this world can offer us. And if you've experienced this Jesus, you know this is true. 
The real Jesus brings a real joy. And if you notice in verse 10, that is why the angels say, we have come to proclaim to you good news of great joy. And this joy, listen, here's what's such wonderful news this morning. This joy is not simply reserved for the spiritually elite. It's not a joy that is just held out for those who impress God with their ultra-religious and righteous lifestyle. But who does it say the good news of great joy is for? If you look back in the, in the passage. It is for who? For all people. Thanks for the feedback, Randy. I love when, people, when I ask a question, people talk back to me. I like that. It is for all people. And, and we see evidence of this really right here in our text, don't we? I mean, notice when God decides to make his good news announcement, who does he send the angel to? He, he doesn't send the angel to the popular. He doesn't send the angel to the prestigious or even some prophets. The angel doesn't go to a king or someone with a lot of swag. The angel appears to who? Shepherds. Which, by the way, has never been a sexy job. Ever. I don't know what you know about shepherds, but they were literally the rejects of society. They were social outcasts at best. I mean, even the priest hated the shepherds, because the shepherds could never leave the sheep to go to the temple sacrifices. Therefore, they were considered ceremonial unclean. Which is why, you know, if you've ever been in a Christmas play growing up in the church, if you were a shepherd, you had the worst part in the play. Amen? When I grew up in church, I always wanted to be Joseph, because he was center stage. I couldn't be Joseph. I wanted to be a wise man, because they had the pimping hats with the jewels in them. Right? Nobody wanted to be a shepherd, because they came in at the very end, and where they stand? In the very back. And they didn't have any speaking parts. Right? Nobody wants to be a shepherd. Not now, certainly not then. Shepherds were weird dudes. They were the lowest of the low. Nobody wanted to be them. Nobody wanted to hang out with them. That's why their best friends were sheep, right? And yet here they are, doing what shepherds do, probably wishing they were something other than a shepherd, and what happens? Bam! Out of nowhere, an angel of the Lord, with the glory of the Lord showing around them, appears to them and shares the biggest and the greatest news of all time with these men. Guys, this should be, just stop and think about this for a second. This should be a great encouragement to everybody in here. It's been such an encouragement to my soul this week, and it should encourage you because think about this. Could God not have done anything he wanted right here? Could he not have presented this news in any fashion that he wanted to present it? And the fact that he shows up to these shepherds should remind us of this truth today. It should remind you of this. No matter who you are or what you've done, no matter how insignificant you feel, listen, you matter to God. It doesn't matter what a parent has said about you. It doesn't matter what your mommy or daddy said about you. It does not matter what a coach said about you or a teacher. It doesn't matter how invisible that you may feel, how overlooked you have been throughout your whole life. Listen, this passage reminds us that God sees you where you are, and he cares about you deeply. Isn't that great to know this morning? Of all the people in the world, the first ones to receive this good news of great joy are these very ordinary and overlooked shepherds. And then it gets even crazier in verse 13. Not only does one angel appear to them, but in verse 13 it says, And suddenly there was with them an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, singing and praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. <laughs> what an amazing text. You've got to wrap your mind around this. I know that some of you, you've heard this passage read a million times by Linus on the Christmas Brown Charlie special. But please don't miss this. What did I say? 
What did I say? Hang on. Let me get a drink here. I've got laryngitis, guys. All right. <laughs> the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Is that what I was supposed to say? All right. Thank you. I'm so glad that y'all didn't just act like that. I don't know. Thank you for telling me what I said. If I ever say anything that doesn't make sense, all right, don't assume that it does make sense. Just call me out on it and say, like, that didn't make any sense. Okay, so you've probably heard Lion. Is that his name? Read this passage on the Charlie Brown Christmas special, all right? And because of that, it's very easy to miss the weight of what is going on here. But please, don't miss it. Let's think about this for a second. Up to this point, humans had done nothing but sin against God. That's it. That's all humans have done. Which is why the shepherds, when the angel appears to them, is so afraid, right? All through the Bible, you will see, like when Adam and Eve sin, what do they do? They, they hid in fear from God. When Isaiah, the great prophet of the Old Testament, appears before the glory of the Lord, what does he do? He says, I'm dead, right? Like he, he freaks out, right? Like everybody knows up to this point they are sinners and when they enter into the presence of God, they feel absolute fear and, and terror. And that is what is going on here with the shepherds. They know they have sinned against God, and therefore they know they deserve death. But here's what's so incredible. When the angel arrives, he doesn't bring payback. Instead, what does he bring? Peace. And here's why this should be good news to you and me this morning. Because like the shepherds, despite the fact of what you believe about yourself, listen, you were not born good. And I was not born good. And the only people who don't believe that in this room are the people who don't have kids yet. Because if you have kids, there is clear evidence you are not born good. Right? I have a two and a half year old son that every single morning will throw a wild fit where he will throw himself on the floor because he can't watch monster truck videos. And I don't know why he thinks he can watch monster truck videos. We've never let him watch monster truck videos in the morning. And yet tomorrow morning, he will wake up and he'll say, can I want monster truck videos? And we'll say no, and he'll go crazy. Right? It's like, you've never watched him. Why do you think this morning is going to be different? But he does it. I've got a daughter who is, will be four in January, and uh, she's bloodied my son's face on many occasions. Okay? True story. Um, my son now runs from my daughter. Good to see you, DeFreeze. And so, um, my son runs from my daughter, which causes complex for me because thinking about my son running from his sister, it just doesn't seem right, right? I mean, my kids are broken. They are not born good, just like we are not born good. And if you're like, why should I believe you? Well, let me just read the Bible to you. Romans chapter 3, verse 12. What does Paul say? Not that. <laughs> we have all turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good not even one. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, which we don't have it on the screen, I don't think, but he says that we are born objects of God's wrath. In Romans 8, 7, Paul goes on to say that before we become Christians, we are hostile towards God. See, most of us, when we think of sin, we don't think of sin that way, do we? When we sin, isn't there a part of us that thinks, at the most, when I'm sinning, I'm just being kind of indifferent to God. Or when I sin, maybe I'm just not being as passionate about God as I should be. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. When we sin, listen guys, when you sin, literally, you're waging war on your creator. When we sin, we are saying to God, you are not good. 
You're not in control. You're not worthy of praise. I'm going to do whatever I want in your universe. I'm going to be the king of your kingdom. Guys, that is what sin is. And what's so amazing is rather than this God just destroying us for this, rather than him bringing us pain and punishment that we deserve for our sins, he brings us peace. And the reason this is such good news is think about it, guys. Do we not live in a world that is anything but peaceful? And the reality is, listen, please hear me. You will never have peace within unless you understand that you have peace with God. Only when you have peace with God can you have peace within despite the chaos of the life around us. Because when you have peace with God, what are you saying in your heart? What you're saying is, I have complete confidence that I now have a relationship with the one who is in control of it all and lovingly guides me with his hand. When we realize that we have peace with God, we are saying, even if I don't see it all, even if I don't know it all, even when it seems like everything is falling apart around me, I can still have peace because I am at peace with the God who loves me and rules the universe. But you see, on the flip side, if we don't believe that we're really at peace with God, if we don't feel like, right, that, that this good and powerful God is for us and with us, what's the result? Our life is filled with fear and anxiety. I, I mean, even as a pastor, uh, a week and a half ago, my daughter started complaining about sharp pain she was having on her side, and she would grab her side, and she would quit playing, and we'd kind of watch her for a little while, even when she didn't know we were watching her, and she'd grab her side again and kind of double over in pain. I thought, man, that's weird. And, and eventually it kind of went away, but when I put her in bed that night, I'll be honest, like I went to bed, but I couldn't go to sleep. And here I am, a pastor, supposed to be bold and courageous and all this, and I'm just sitting there worried. I mean, what if this is something serious? And then my mind started going crazy. Like, what if my daughter has, like, cancer or something? What if she, like dies before me just worry like i'm up for like an hour and a half two hours just just consumed with worry and fear and and listen for 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 you it may not be concern for your children maybe it's finances maybe it's fear of man i don't know what it is but but isn't it true that at times all of us tend to lack peace in this world because of the things that are going on around us and, and you can walk into any bookstore or google Anything you want, and you can find thousands upon thousands of resources out there to try to help you cope with these fears. But more than coping, what do we need? We need a solution, right? We need a real solution to our fear of rejection, or our fear of failure, or our fear of the future. We need a peace that cannot be shaken by even the scariest moments in life. And where do we find this kind of solution? It's not found in a self-help book. A solution to your fears and your biggest problems are not found in just having your own personal therapist. I'm not knocking that. It's not found in just pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. But listen, guys, if you want an unshakable peace, even in the midst of the greatest storms of life, you know what you need more than anything? You need Christmas. You need to be reminded of the birth of Jesus and what his birth means for us. That's why the angel in verse 9, again, if you look with me, he appears before these shepherds, and it says at the end of verse 9, they were filled with great fear. And what does the angel, how does the angel bring solution to their fear? He says, fear not, for behold. In other words, I know you've got fears right now, but you're not going to be afraid if you'll look at what I'm trying to show you. I know you're afraid, but look at this. And when you look at this, you won't be afraid. And what does he say look at? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people for unto you this day. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ and the Lord. Nowhere else in all of the New Testament do these three titles 
Savior, Christ, and Lord all appear in the same verse. So what is the angel doing here? What he's saying is, look, if you really want to have great joy, if you really want to have an unshakable peace, you know what you need to do? No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what circumstances are around, you want to have joy, you want to have peace more than anything else, you need to look at Jesus and you need to see him as he really is. You need to see that he is truly your savior, that he is your deliverer, that he is your rescuer. You need to look and realize that he saw you could not save yourself. And so he came for you. He became man. He came to, to rescue you from your sin so that you could be brought into a right relationship with God, so that you could go from being God's enemy to being his beloved child. So you need to see that and believe it. You need to believe that he's not just your savior, but that he's Christ. That means he's the anointed one. That means that he came and he walked perfectly filled and he walked in the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could live a perfect life that you could never live. And then, now when we trust in his life, death, and resurrection, we can receive his perfect record on our behalf. So that when God sees us, he loves us with the same love that he loves his own son. We can also receive the same spirit that he walked in so that we can have the power to live the life that he calls us to live. Because you need to believe this. You need to believe that he's not just your Savior and that he's your Christ, but he's also your Lord. You need to believe in your heart of hearts that he is the Lord over all of creation, over all of the nations. Guys, do you understand there is not a rogue molecule in the universe right now? It is all under Jesus' lordship. Nothing happens outside of his reign. You need to realize that Jesus is the God-man who is all-powerful. And rather than using his power to crush us, what does he do? He becomes a baby. He enters into our pitiful, broken world. And then he grows as a man, and as a man, he takes on the posture of a servant. He says, in every situation, I am here not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom so that your greatest need of all time can be met in me. Guys, if you believe that, you understand how the gospel is the good news of great joy. Because there is no other religion in the world that will teach anything like this. Every other religion in the world will say what? You want to have a relationship with God? You've got to work your way to God. Christianity says, no, God says, I'm going to work my way to you. I'm going to enter into your mess, into your sinfulness, and I'm going to save you from that sin so that you can have the life that you're longing for. And listen, please hear this, guys. God did not do this because he was lonely. I've heard people say that before. God was just lonely. He needed his kids back. No, he was not lonely. God does not lack in anything. There is nothing we can give him that he does not already have. You understand that? He didn't do it because he was lonely, and he didn't do it because he needed us. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. You know why he did this for you? Because he loves you. Period. He loves you. Despite the fact that all we have ever done is sin against him. And listen, guys, if you have experienced this good news, if you believe this, there is but one response. There is but one appropriate response this morning, and it is to give your life to praising this God for what he has done for you and proclaiming this good news to others. That's exactly what we see happen in the rest of this passage. In verses 16 through 20, after the angels appear to the shepherds, the last, the least, and lost of society, and they tell them the good news of great joy, how do the shepherds respond? Do they just sit there and go, oh, that's neat, and then just light up a cigarette and kind of ponder what just happened? Yeah, that's cool. No. 
In verse 16, after the angel disappeared with the news, it says, They went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. And then in verse 20 it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. You want to know how you understand Christmas? You want to know how you can know that you've met the real Jesus? Your, mark, your life will be marked by two things. By praise and by proclamation. The shepherds believed Jesus is who he says he is and he's come to do everything that he says he's come to do. And because of this, what happens? Worship of God begins to flow from their hearts. And because they believe the gospel is good news, like all humans do whenever they hear good news, they shared it with others. What about you this morning? What about you this morning? I know I'm in front of a crowd, but I'm in front of a crowd of individuals. Do you really, truly delight in Jesus? Or you may be a little disappointed with Jesus. Do you, like the shepherds, view Jesus as a treasure chest of joy? Or, if you can be honest, is he just a ticket to get out of hell? Do you see the gospel as good news today? Or, to be honest, has it kind of become old news? In 1989, I did get that Huffy bicycle. Um, And to your surprise, I'm sure, I'm not still riding it. It's not chained up outside, waiting for me to hop on, you know, like knees hitting the handlebars on the way home. I rode that sucker for about a year, and then it went to a garage sale or a junkyard. And here's what's sad to me is, you know, I look back at that, and I think, man, on 1989, that bicycle brought me so much excitement, and today I could care nothing about it. And what scares me is that I think there are some of you who maybe view the gospel the same way. The Christmas story is the same way to you. At one time you heard it and you were excited, but not so much anymore. And I'm not saying that you don't believe the gospel is true news in your head. What I'm saying is you don't believe the gospel is good news in your heart. And therefore you walk around life with little joy, completely discontent, and filled with fear and anxiety. You know what you need more than anything this morning, if that's you? You need the Holy Spirit right now to open your eyes to who Jesus really is. He is your Savior. He is your Christ. He is your Lord. And when you will finally see Him as He really is, you will experience the good news of great joy that comes from having peace with the God of the universe. And if you're here this morning and you say, I don't deserve this gift because of all I've done, or haven't done, because I still have doubts, I still have fears, I, don't, I still don't understand it all, I don't deserve this, that's a great place to be. You know why? Because remember, who did the angel go to? Not the saints, the shepherds. And if you can, like the shepherds, admit you are broken, admit you're a sinner, and that you need Jesus to be your Savior, to be your Christ, to be your Lord, you can experience, finally, the salvation and the satisfaction that you have been longing for that you can find nowhere else in the world. 
And then, listen to me, out of an overflow of the love of God that you will experience, out of an overflow of that, you know what you can do? You can join the rest of us who have experienced this in proclaiming the good news to others. And as a result, you can watch us, watch the city, be filled with joy that only the real Jesus can bring. Amen? I want to wish each of you a Merry Christmas. Man, I hope that we are a gospel people that never get tired of this Christmas message. I hope you celebrate it like crazy this week with your family and friends and that we continue to celebrate it more and more throughout our lives. I'm going to ask that you stand with me this morning. We're going to pray. The band's going to come forward. We're going to sing another song. We'll partake of communion. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for the Christmas story. It is because, Jesus, you became a man that I can sit here today a changed man. I thank you for opening my eyes to see you as you really are. And I ask right now, Holy Spirit, there is no way that there's anything in my words that could ever change anybody's life. But your words can if you will make them alive in the hearts of the people here. Would you please do, I want to see a Christmas miracle this morning. I want to see somebody who came in believing the gospel possibly as true news, but not good news. I want to see that change right now. I want to see you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, take this gospel and make it alive in the heart of a dead man or a dead woman who is here this morning. Make them alive in you, Christ. And help us all to never forget the good news of great joy that Christmas brings all of us, not just in our past, but in our present and our future. And it's in Christ's name that we pray these things. Amen.